You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. And welcome to another edition of The Breakfast Show here on The Voice of Islam Radio. Today is Wednesday, the 23rd of November, 2022, uh, with uh, myself, Sharjil Ahmed, and also Muhammad Atar as well. Um some interesting topics that we're going to be speaking about uh, uh, in the course of today's show. Two main topics that we're going to be speaking about. Of course, if you're aware of the Breakfast Show, the setup of the Breakfast Show, the way we run things, or the way that the show is actually um, run. Firstly, we talk about the news, what's happening around the world, um, you know, different things which are happening around the world as well, especially when it comes to, especially when it comes to, the, you know, the, the United the United Kingdom. Of course, living here anyway, uh, talking about the politics, talking about uh, what's happening, talking about the policies. And of course, the World Cup is happening as well, which is quite enjoyable. Um, a lot of mixed feelings uh, a lot of people are having in regards to some of the rules, some of the um, the, the rules of conduct, the way that people have to um, sort of leave other things. Um, you know, to, when, when it comes to when it comes to enjoying a football match as well. But um, very, very, you know, very interesting. Very interesting what people have to say in regards to these things as well. When it comes, not just when it comes to politics, but when it comes to other things such as football and uh, sport and various other things as well. But uh, in the beginning, as I mentioned, we talk about the news, what's happening, and also after that, we go into our main topics. And today we have two main topics that we're going to be speaking about. Very interesting as well. Um, the first topic that we're going to be speaking about is a little bit uh, it's, it's a little bit about meditation and uh, it's basically a question is med- is meditation effective when compared to medicine so it is quite interesting it is interesting um, a lot of people think that uh, medicines are the way forward med- medicines have been the way forward and it's the only way to actually cure to heal uh, sometimes even prevent when it comes to vaccines and also you know being proactive as well as reactive as well but some people think that uh, there's other forms of remedies that are out there as well when it comes to when it comes to healing someone when it comes to making someone feel better when it comes to making someone feel feel alive uh, again or rejuvenated as well as i mentioned being proactive and also being reactive um, and you know medicine doesn't always have to be the remedy uh, or the the healer or the prevention as well it can be other things as well such as meditation which is quite interesting and that's something that we're going to be speaking about in the first uh, part of the show after the news and also we have uh, we have another we have a number of guests that we're going to be speaking to as well hopefully uh, who will shed some more light on uh, on this topic uh, as well the second topic that we're going to be speaking about is uh, world health organization has released more information for the global vaccine market um so it is uh, it is sort of uh, a show to do with uh, vaccines to do with uh, medication and different things which are related to that one as well so that's something that that our show today is going to be uh, talking about specifically as well as I mentioned, uh, or maybe I didn't mention, but it is an interactive show. You already know that it's an interactive show. The lines are open if you want to get in touch with us, if you want to call us, if you want to voice your opinion, your comments as well. 
um, or even ask any questions, the number to call in, as always, is 0208-687-7878. We would love to hear uh, from you guys as well what you have to say on the on these topics as well. We're going to be taking a very short break, and right after that, getting into getting straight into the uh, the news segment. And, uh, uh, so you know, grab yourself a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, and we'll be back after a jiffy. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Writings of the Promised Messiah, alayhi salam. I call to Allah to witness that the Holy Qur'an is a rare pearl. Its outside is light, and its inside is light, and its above is light, and its below is light. And there is light in every word of it. It is a spiritual garden whose clustered fruits are within easy reach and through which streams flow. Every fruit of good fortune is found in it, and every torch is lit from it. Its light has penetrated to my heart, and I could not have acquired it by any other means. And Allah is my witness that if there had been no Qur'an, I would have found no delight in life. I find it that its beauty exceeds that of a hundred thousand Josephs. I incline towards it with a great inclination and drink it into my heart. It has nurtured me as an embryo is nurtured and it has a wonderful effect on my heart. Myself is lost in its beauty. It has been disclosed to me in a vision that the garden of holiness is irrigated by the water of the Holy Qur'an, which is a surging ocean of the water of life. He who drinks from it comes to life. Indeed, he brings others to life. Life of Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Keeping good company. Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, always preferred to keep company with the virtuous. And if he observed any weakness in any of his companions, he admonished him gently and in private. Abu Musa Ashari, peace be upon him, relates, The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, illustrated the benefit to be derived from good friends and virtuous companions. Abu Musa Ashari, peace be upon him, relates, The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, illustrated the benefit to be derived from good friends and virtuous companions and the injury to be apprehended from evil friends and vicious companions by saying, A man who keeps company with virtuous people is like a person who carries about musk with him. If he partakes of it, he derives benefit from it. If he sells it, he makes a profit out of it. And if he merely keeps it, he enjoys its perfume. A man who keeps company with evil persons is like one who blows into a charcoal furnace. All that he can expect is that a spark may alight upon his clothes and set them on fire, or that the gas emitted by the charcoal may upset his brain. He used to say that a man's character takes on the colour 
of the company he keeps, and that therefore one should be careful to spend one's time in the company of the good. Bukhari and Muslim. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the breakfast show here on the Voice of Islam radio. Um, uh, as I mentioned before the break as well, that uh, you know we normally go through the news, what's happening around the world, and uh, but of course you know we must also start off with uh, start off with the weather. Now the weather here in um, in South London, especially when we're in the UK, but South London especially, is it has you know over the past few days it has gone quite cold, uh, sort of a little bit drastically as well. You can say that you can say that. And uh, you can you can sort of feel it creeping in uh, into the houses, into the you know into the buildings, wherever you go. You 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 you're faced with the cold. Then you have to you have to keep yourself covered up. You have to keep yourself you know you have to keep yourself warm. You have to wear your your you know your your jackets and your essentials as well. So now is the time. Uh, it's it's finally here. I mean, we can say winter is finally upon us winter was coming but now it's uh, now it's upon us mm. um and it's uh, it's something that uh, we must uh, prepare for isn't it definitely definitely because you know especially in winter you know these uh, flus and these um seasonal affective disorders mm. and stuff you know they start to take place exactly. they start to come in and you know everyone has to be wary of these and uh, take measures in and put measures in place so they do not you know fall ill yes, exactly <coughs> exactly um we're talking about you know, what's happening, what's happening around the around the world. There's, uh, I mean, it is sad to say as well, but uh, sometimes you you read about these sort of news in the uh, you hear about this in the news, and then you see you think that you know it's it's so common, and mm. it's sad to say as well because right now uh, there's a, you know news has just come in multiple fatalities in shooting a Walmart store mm. in Virginia. Mm. I mean, just imagine, imagine. Imagine this was here in the UK. Mm. Someone, you know, there was multiple fatalities in ASDA, mm. in your, your local ASDA. You know, you know, the thing is, as as uh, unfortunate as this is, you know, our thoughts and uh, prayers go out to the families. But this is a typical. I would say this is a yeah. typical headline of American news. Yeah. That yeah. you know that's these shootings are that's happening every now and then, and at Walmart or at schools or at, you know various other malls and uh, etc. But yeah. this just it just keeps on happening and like no proper gun laws are being put in place to you know to make sure that this doesn't continue happening but it just carries on happening and, and people they, don't yeah. realize the politicians they don't take action yeah that's the problem <coughs> that's the problem but you see no guns are protecting us guns mm. are doing this guns are doing mm. that but when has when, when do actually guns make a difference you know when when the, when has, has it actually mm. been used for for good mm. definitely you know the 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 negatives of this outweigh the positives. Definitely. And we see, listen. You mentioned every single day, day in day out, you hear about these uh, incidents happening mm. uh, in America as well because of the gun laws. Because they're not doing anything about it. They're not doing anything proactive uh, about that as well. It is a poli- uh, sort of a political sort of um, situation. But uh, you know we don't want to get into the politics of it. But still, looking at it from a from a moral perspective, our moral compasses doesn't, you know, you know, it, it doesn't sort of allow us hmm. to 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 even carry guns like that, or even buy guns in Walmart. You know, you, in Walmart, if you go online, I was looking at it, you know, some some time hmm. ago, so that if you go on Walmart, the website, you can literally browse guns. 
yeah shotguns rifles and all of these sort of things hmm. and you can literally you, you can buy them you can yeah. buy these things yeah. as well and it's so easily accessible that anyone can you know hmm. if you're at age hmm. you can go and so the guys who are it. working at the counter they just have to look you up and down and see if, you if, see you're, him, if you're looking if you a bit see. shady yeah. then they won't give it to then you but like anyone can get away with that literally just dress literally. up in a suit and you can go buy that <laughs> literally. <laughs> literally that's how that's how easy it is yeah and uh, you know it is like you mentioned it is sad to say and it's sad to to actually hear about this in the news again hmm. but still our thoughts and prayers do go out to all of those uh, you know the victims um, that, are, that that were affected by this as well um, and uh, you know it, it is it is sad it is hmm. sad um, some other news uh, <coughs> as well um, uh, may, many people would be aware that Manchester United owners they confirm that uh, they, you know, they, they uh, confirm that they could sell the club as they explore strategic alternatives to boost its sporting and commercial success, which is, you know, quite, uh, which is actually quite interesting. It comes after Sky Sky's uh, city editor um, exclusively revealed that the Glazer family were preparing to announce the news and were already being advised by the bankers as well. Fans of Manchester United have long campaigned against the club's American owners, who they accuse of lack of investment and saddling the club into too much debt. Now, this is something which is... Um, a lot, this has come into the news quite mm. recently, as well, because of the World Cup as well, especially, that a lot of foreign people a lot of foreigners who who are influential who have a lot of money who are multi-millionaires maybe even billionaires they are buying you know they they're coming into the sports industry and they're buying a lot of clubs hmm. you know it happened a couple of years ago uh, a couple of decades ago with Manchester City hmm. um, you know before they weren't really they weren't really that big of a team they weren't really that good of a team as well hmm. but as soon as you know the Arabs they they came in, yeah. Or the Middle East, you know, they came in. They bought that club, mm. and uh, because they had a lot of money, mm. they they could buy whoever they wanted. So then they bought a team, mm. and then the same recently it happened to Newcastle as well. Mm. Newcastle was you know was sort of a mediocre mediocre table team, mm. um, but now it's now it's top four. Mm. Now it's top four in in the league, which mm. is which is remarkable. Mm. Um, they haven't bought any world-class players like that, but they still have that influence, and they can. PSG in in France, mm. they've done the same thing as well. So mm. now there's a lot of Arab countries or Arab families or a lot of you know people who have influence or a lot of people who have a lot of money, a lot of revenue. They mm. they're coming in and they're buying these. You know, and then they're the making even well. more money. They're making even more mm. money. I mean, yeah, there's, there's no loss. There's no loss yeah. for them as well. But this is why a lot of the people are actually criticizing them as well. That why are they buying it? Why can't we because run they, this ourselves? No, then if if you have the money, go for it. Yeah, I mean, it's about exactly. whoever it, it, it bids the highest, right? Exactly, right. Whoever's exactly. got the highest bid, they'll buy it. But the thing is, you is can't that complain just because someone has more money than you that they've bought something. That's true. But the the, the thing that they're saying is that when so, like this. Right. Mm. If if an American company, if American sort of firm or mm. you know, someone in America is buying yeah. a, a football team, right, it, it, here in the UK, they must have bought other clubs as well elsewhere. Mm, definitely. And the thing is, is that sometimes if they're not <laughs> investing the money that the fans want in that place, 
then it can be a bit frustrating for the fans as well because they're seeing it from this perspective that you know a rich person has bought a club is the owner of our club has the money to spend money when it comes to transfer windows and all of this whatever but they're not doing it they're mm. not they're not spending the money on us they're not they, they don't really care about the football team um, they just bought it because they can and they're not investing that much in it mm. so that can be quite frustrating for the fans as well mm. um, but if you know if if they are you know such as Manchester City mm. as I mentioned PSG if they are spending the money then then the fans should you know come together make a pool and then uh, you know, <laughs> buy the team <laughs> themselves yeah I mean if, if, if they've they got can, enough money right? then yeah fine <laughs> go for it isn't it mm. go for it uh, but it's the capitalist world unfortunately that we're yeah in. that's that's how the world works like money makes the world go round yeah money makes the world go round that's unfortunately, uh, unfortunately that but that's, that that is that's a harsh is. reality I mean we as I mentioned we we mm. we are living in a capitalist world mm, we live in a capitalist world we're living in a world where the you know the rich they they sort of rule mm. they they don't just rule um they have a lot of money they actually physically rule as well sometimes mm. we see that the the president or the prime minister or whatever mm. the leader of a country may seem as if that person is the head of the country but behind that person it can be a bit of a under the table sort of mm. you know not getting into too much details over there I think the listeners can actually mm. understand that <laughs> for themselves as well in but other you know, happy news Saudi yes. Arabia Saudi Arabia yes they smacked it they they literally they, they made literally, history yeah. they made history I was watching the match mm. as well yesterday uh, the World Cup and uh, uh, I mean I've got to say the first half mm. um, of course you know Messi did score mm. but there were three or four goals that were for you know, for, uh, you know you know Argentina which were offside and which mm. were ruled out and uh, which you know is quite this unfortunate rule well. is like so strict like the person's arm was just a little bit ahead yeah so like two so times sometimes it can be a bit controversial as yeah. well because you no, no, when they checked the VAR yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the arm was just out of the box just a little bit a little ahead bit, of the it? other player the other team that's player that's the thing and sometimes uh, a referee might call that not offside because mm. it's it's your body that you can use, isn't it, mm. for football? If you can't yeah. use your arm in football, mm. unless you're the goalie. No, no, he was running, so his arm was out. His arm like, was out, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, his arm was out. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it can be a little bit mm. controversial as well. So, uh, I mean, that's you know, some they people made say that, that's like FIFA 23 as well. Like you just a little bit ahead, too, and then it's just and then that's offside, isn't it? Yeah. But that's a computer. That's a no, game. A game so they still. can. So they can judge that. Yeah, but still. <laughs> yeah. Still. <laughs> you know, when you're on the other team when and you're you the other team, offside, then it's literally a, it's a bit it's frustrating. A bit, yeah. But then you know, but but, but Saudi Arabia, the second goal. Yeah. Props, props, props to, them. to Pro- them. Props to them. And uh, good, we've seen the celebration well. videos. Yeah. 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 Some guy like broke his door and just like <laughs> threw it. He was so happy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, I mean, they weren't even they weren't even top fifty, mm. and they beat Argentina. And which they Argentina haven't lost a match mm. since uh, for three years, so I mean it was quite a victory mm. for them as well. And props, you know, hats off to them as well. Props to them. Mm. Hopefully they do well in the in the next uh, next couple of games as well. Who who are they facing next? I mean they they they've got Mexico and Poland, I believe. No, no, not uh, Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. Uh, the thing is, it's group stages right yeah, now, isn't it? Yeah. So Argentina, um, uh, Saudi Arabia, mm. Poland. And Mexico are in a group, so they're going to oh, face okay. each other. Oh, they're, gonna, they're all going to face each other. So okay. whoever's got the most points, mm. the two teams, mm. they're going to go uh, to the next round mm. as well. Hopefully. But, uh, they, you know, let's see, let's see what happens. Because they drew yesterday mm. as well, Mexico and uh, and Poland. So it yeah. is quite interesting. 
Um, you know, let's see, let's see. But England, you know, they, they're doing, you know, the first match, they did well, hmm. 6-2. The next match is, I believe, it's against the United States on uh, on Friday. Hmm. Um, so that's going to be quite interesting yeah. as well. Um, a very short break we're going to be taking. And right after that, we are going to straight away go into our first segment, which is going to be about meditation and how it can be, or is it, um, a, a a possible uh, remedy or something that can replace uh, medicines as well. Very interesting. Uh, do tune in. We're going to be taking a very short break. Now, one thing that stands out about Hazrat Usman anhu, and Hazur has spoken about this, he, he mentions his incidences of generosity and compassion and, and love for the brothers and sisters of, of Islam. Where the Muslims in Medina were again suffering from a famine and, and, and a drought, Hazrat Usman anhu, he, at this time he is returning from a business trip and he has so many different goods with him. And the, and the, and the merchants and the businessmen of, of Medina approach him at that time and they say to him, look, at this time, we can all get together. We can happily, easily boycott all of the residents of Medina. We can bump up the prices of our goods and we can make a huge profit because these people are desperate. They have no choice but to buy from us. Hazrat Usman, anhu, when he heard this, all of the goods that he had initially planned to sell to the people of Medina, he distributed them amongst all of the people, free of cost, without any recompense from anybody else. Now this was his generosity and his compassion for the people living there at that time. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to The Breakfast Show here on The Voice of Islam Radio. As I mentioned, it's going to be very, uh, very interesting. Today's, uh, today's Both of our topics today are going to be about medicine as well. And in the first part, because what we're talking about um, is meditation effective when compared to medicine as well. You know, in the in the, in the current time where anxiety and stress levels are increasing due to the rising um, the rising cost, the cost of living, um, health costs, health reasons as well, and the ongoing uh, instability in the world, does meditation help? Can it help? And a recent study came out that medic uh, that meditation is just as effective as uh, as as, as me- medication against anxiety as well. So it's not just medicines that we can take, but also other things which can calm us down as well, such as meditation as well. It's very interesting. We're going to be speaking about this during the course of the show uh, as well. Actually, to say, I'm delighted to say we do have online with us our first guest of the morning for this segment, Pet Finden, who has been practicing Buddhism for 28 years and has lived at Nagarjuna Center for about 15 years. She teaches meditation classes and courses and is also involved with talks and events on Buddhism and meditation within the community. Good morning, peace be upon you and welcome to The Breakfast Show, Pet. Good morning, hello and thank you for inviting me on to your show. It's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, Just to begin with, could you tell us what are the benefits of meditation in this day and age? Yeah, so meditation is something that, first of all, everyone can do, Hmm. and it is a special method of working with our mind. So when we're meditating, we're going into our mind and then training ourselves to feel peaceful through Hmm. meditating on positive ideas such as loving kindness and learning how to let go of any tension or stress, any negative thoughts that come into the mind, which we all experience from time to time. Hmm. Uh, What types of meditation practices are there? 
Well, there are many, many, many types of meditation. And here at Nagarjuna Center, <coughs> excuse me, we practice uh, meditations that come from the Buddhist tradition. So these are methods that we can use and that are very easy to learn. So meditation is a, a process that we go through. So we learn the techniques. So basically, we sit still, we try to let go of all of the outside world, so we just forget everything that is going on, and then we bring our mind inwards. Mm. And generally, when we begin our meditation, we'll spend some time settling our thoughts through focusing upon the breath, and then we will try and focus on a particular positive idea or thought. And there are many, many of these. Buddha taught 84,000 teachings, so any one of these ideas is suitable to meditate on. Hmm. And for our listeners out there who may be you know, somewhat familiar with this already, could you describe what your organization does and how it started to help people? Yes. So the New Kadampa tradition, which our centre is a part of, is a Buddhist tradition that's been in the West for over 40 years now Hmm. and we have many centers throughout the world where people can come and visit they can drop in maybe just to a half hour meditation class or they can come and spend the day and a lot of people come and stay with us for a period of time and our particular center is out in Thornby so it's a very beautiful place right out in the country and we have beautiful grounds and we also have cafes in a lot of our centers and our cafes are all vegetarian and anyone can come and enjoy our cafe enjoy a coffee a walk around the garden some homemade cake or of course come to different meditation classes so we welcome anybody that would like to visit us hmm. that's that's amazing work and um, what are some common cha- um, changes in thinking or quick meditation practices one can do quickly when feeling overwhelmed? One very effective meditation we can do that we generally teach in all of our classes is a meditation where we simply focus on our breathing. And this is very, very helpful because it helps us to take our thoughts away from maybe feeling worried or stressed. So we make a conscious effort to sit still and bring all of our attention to notice our breathing. And it can be very effective, and it's very, very simple to learn. We can do it just for a couple of minutes. We can do it for longer if we wish. And the more that we do it, the easier it gets to turn off all of those feelings of worry, tension, or stress. Mm -hmm. So very, very practical, easy-to-learn method. That's that's amazing. Um, I'll I'll be taking a look into that as well myself. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, for now, take care and have a good morning. Thank you very much. Take Thank care. You. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So that was uh, Pet Finden. Uh, she's been practicing you know, um, meditation and she's been a practice uh, Buddhist for 28 years as well. Um, mm. You know, she, she sounded very, you know, her, like uh, calm as well. Mm. So I think this is, this. It, there's definitely something to it, right? Definitely something. Yeah, about so you it. have to... I think our listeners should also look into it as well. Definitely, definitely. Uh, let's get our next guest who's on the line with us as well, Colin Dunsmere, who is a leading voice in the global yoga community. He's an experienced yoga therapist and yoga therapist trainer uh, as well. Over 25 years, uh, he has worked in many different environments from businesses to hospitals and schools as well. Peace be upon you. Good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you guys? Uh, we're doing great. H- how are you doing this morning? 
I'm doing well as well. That's, that's absolutely great to hear. Um, for the benefit of our listeners, to begin with, mental health problems are you know are ever increasing in this in, in this day and age. Could you tell us or describe what is what is causing you know this increase in stress and anxiety levels amongst uh, amongst people? It's such a good question. I mean, to to really break this down, it's um, from my clinical experience in the work. It comes into three areas. Um, there's the obvious, the extreme situations that we've been finding ourselves in, and also their accompanying messages. So if you think about climate change, the messages associated with that, the pandemic, the messages associated with that, mm. the war that we're finding ourselves going through, the messages associated with that, and the cost of living crisis. It means that, on the one hand, we've got this extreme external changes that are happening to us, and that affects our stability as people. And there is a knock-on effect into our personal life. So for me, this is kind of like the first area. The second area is that each of us are individuals. We've got different education. We've got different roles, different commitments, different priorities. And what we're finding is how these combining situations, these changes that are happening, impact each of us is very different. You know, how we react, how we respond is also different as well. So there are common elements within this and so for me mental health stress anxiety it's our way of dealing with the fact that we're comfortable with not knowing we don't know a lot of things and so we actually start to draw on our experience we, we look around for guidance we look to find our way to navigate within this and it's actually really stressful because there are so many mixed messages about what we should be doing what we ought to be doing within the different roles and commitments we have now you combine this with not knowing with fear and you put fear with imagination you start to get anxiety you know what if this happens what if that happens what if the other happens and we also get things like doubt you put all these things together and it starts to become this becomes a sort of melting pot for stress and i'm not taking into account the fact that each of us want things in our lives we want the best for our families we want the best in our jobs we want to achieve lots of different things and these things aren't happening. So you put that together and you start to get stress and mental health issues. And the third component that I'm seeing a lot of is that actually there's been an in increase in education and awareness and our ability to recognize, label the emotional changes that we're going through. You know, we can recognize that something isn't actually right. And we start to categorize these things in more detail. We sort of say, you know, I'm anxious. And I speak to young people who turn around and say, you know, I'm a really anxious person. And when I start to sort of question them on it, they say, you know, I'm really, really anxious. And I'm just sort of going, well, isn't this a normal feeling? Hmm. And they say, well, I, I've got this feeling and it means I'm this. And so we start to begin to unpack it. And I think we label things very, very quickly indeed. And so for me, the question is, when I'm working with people and seeing all the changes that are happening in mental health, is has it always been there? Or is it that actually we're able to identify it easier now? Or is it something that has actually sort of come to the surface and become more of part of our society? Is it that we're actually becoming more oversensitive? Or is it that we don't know how to deal with the emotions that we've got? Do, do, does that make mm. sense? Do you see the questions yeah. that are happening? Yeah. So I think that what you're, the question that you've got is actually a really, really good question. Because it's looking at all of these components together as a melting pot looking at how we are as individuals, looking at the situation, looking at how 
we deal with situations and how we're able to identify them. But the question for me is, what do we do about them? And I think we're good at identifying, and I think there's an increase of mental health because we don't know what to do about them. Mm. It's quite interesting. Interesting points uh, there as well. And just taking a little bit back on a pers- on a personal perspective, yeah. f- for our listeners uh, out there, could you describe how you actually became a yoga practitioner? Thank you. It's, a, <laughs> it's one of those kind of questions that... I was 19 years old and I was actually very, very anxious and very stressing myself. And I nearly had a, I nearly died. I was two hours away from dying. I had a bleeding duodenal ulcer because I internalized all of my anxiety and all of my stress. Mm. And I realized that something had to change. I realized that the rules that I was living the world with weren't actually working. So I needed help. And that was an important point, is that I think that actually all of us have to get to a stage where we have to ask for help. Yeah, yeah, that was the beginning of my journey. Mm. And so I spent the next 25 years studying yoga and committing my life to helping people in in these areas. Mm. Mm. Now, when talking about yoga, of course, you know, there are many benefits um, Mm. for this as well. Tell us, uh, you know, tell us those benefits and how do you help with the increased levels of mental mental health and wellness in, the, in this day and age as it's increasing? We can break the benefits down into several areas. The, the first is physical. Um, one of the things that I like to bust the myth of is that it doesn't have to look pretty. You don't have to be strong within things. I found the biggest success occurs with gentle movement, very gentle movement. It keeps people mobile. It reduces tension, tension in the body, you know, that sort of tension in the back, tension in the shoulders, all that sort of tension that accumulates that, you know, everyone can recognize. It also helps with gentle movement to process stress and also to relieve the traumas that we've got and it helps with sleep. Now, when we're talking about yoga, we're also talking about breathing and meditation as well. So the breathing can lift people's energy. It can help with circulation. And when you're developing breathing, what that does is it has an impact into our nervous system so it reduces our stress response to things and by calming the nervous system it also helps the digestive system so Mm. mentally it calms the mind that calming of the mind helps to reduce anxiety and that also helps to lay down new patterns Mm. and one of the key things that we're looking at with mental health and also with stress and anxiety is the laying down of new patterns that help. So removing numbers of different rules that we put in place where things have to be a particular way, it helps to maintain our instability. And that's one of the key things that all of us are looking for is actually inner stability. Mm. So for me, these are the benefits of, of actually doing yoga. Very interesting, very interesting. Now, what, what, what other advice do you have for our listeners um, that you know that they can do practically when facing, you know, difficulties, sometimes it can be sudden difficulties, um, especially, you know, now that everyone is so busy, such a busy lifestyle everyone has. Um, what can people do to actually sort of take take time out and just meditate? For me, there's a number of different things. The first thing is that it, it, it's don't be frightened or concerned to ask for help. The help can actually change your life. Because I think that quite often to just, take time out but not ask for help can actually complicate the situation Mm. I think that actually by firstly sitting there and saying that I need some help 
And with that help, you can do numbers of different things. Yeah. In life, I have a, a, a great belief when I'm working with people is that they actually have everything that they need within themselves already. They don't have to look anywhere else for anything else. They've got everything that they need. And part of the job of each person is to realize that they can actually change their life, even if it's for a few minutes, create some space, do a little bit of breathing. So for example, to sit on a chair, have your feet on the ground, feel your feet on the ground so that you come out of your head and into your body. To do some gentle breathing, consistent, even for 10 breaths, can actually be life-changing. It's these type of things that become very important. The other thing I've seen a lot of is that our inability in an overpressured world to transition between environments, so going from work to home, going from home out, all of these transitions that we come to create from meeting different people and, and going to work and to going into different environments, all of these transitions we, we're not able to do successfully enough. So for me, it's also looking at how do we transition from one place to another place and also how do we deal with the emotions that we've got at the end of each day because otherwise if we don't deal with them it knocks on into our sleep does that does that make sense yeah yeah definitely i mean th thank you for you know sharing this uh, you know pieces of uh, of advice uh, with our listeners as well it's quite you know something which is quite practical as well especially uh, you know in our busy schedules busy day-to-day -day lives I mean, it's important, as you mentioned, um, you know, taking these basic steps as well, to coming back and uh, making ourselves feel feel better as well. And you sh the, your personal story, your personal account that you shared with us is all quite inspirational. Um, and uh, you know, thank you for thank you for sharing that with us as well, Colin. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, and uh, have a have a lovely day. Thank you once again. You too. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Bye bye. So that was a. Uh that was very interesting, uh, you know, um, story he shared with us yeah, as well. How he very interesting. Yeah, became um, yoga instructor. Uh, just moving on swiftly to our next guest. We do have our next guest on the line with us, Emma Teen Williamson, who is the head of marketing and communica communication at Breathworks and an associate uh, mindfulness teacher alongside teaching mind mindfulness. She teaches yoga and mindful movement. Good morning. Peace be upon you and welcome to The Breakfast Show, Emma. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on. Um, just to begin with, could you tell us what effects uh, the stress and anxiety have on the body? Yeah, so stress and anxiety, um, you know, as I'm sure many people have experienced themselves, has some pretty negative effects on our body. Um, mm. It can have a, a real physical and mental effect. The physical effect is this build-up of stress hormones that start to happen over time um, with the likes of cortisol, which is known to decrease our immune system, make us more sick, um, and also just create a lot of built-up tension in our body. So as your previous guest was saying, you know, that tension that builds in our shoulders, in our jaw, and over time that can really create some quite damaging physical um, effects for us. Hmm. It can also start to really affect our relationships and the way that we interact with people around us. So when we're in this heightened stress response, and we're in you know, our flight, fight, freeze res response, which makes us really over-vigilant and um, 
quite one track minded, you know, in, in natural survival times, that would have been our instinct to to um, fight a predator or to, to find food when we were in survival mode or danger. But in everyday life, that doesn't serve us well. Um, and it certainly doesn't serve us well in our community and in family relationships um, where we might start to feel a bit less connected to those around us. Hmm. Um, and just just for our listeners out there, um, how did BethWorks become an organisation to help, um, like, and become such a good cause? Yeah, so I can tell you a bit about what BreathWorks do. So we're a mindfulness organisation, um, and we teach people how to manage their stress hmm. and their pain and illness using mindfulness approaches. Um, and we do that through an offering of online courses, workshops, retreats. And we also go into workplaces um, to offer trainings there. Um, and alongside that, we also train up people to become mindfulness teachers. Um, and the whole the whole organization was really born from quite an aspiring individual called Vidyamala Birch, um, who developed the first program to manage pain through mindfulness. Hmm. And that was back in 2001. So quite a while ago, 21 years ago, and this came really from her own troubles and experience with living with a very serious spinal injury. So she had chronic pain and, and she has partial paraplegia, um, and she discovered that meditation really changed her life and it could shift her mindset around the way she was experiencing um, that difficulty. So. Mm. She, at one time, was unable to work and on benefits because of her condition. So knowing that so many people out there who, who really need this type of help would be in similar situations, um, there was a decision to make BreathWorks a charitable organization. Yeah. So we subsidize a lot of our fees for people who have financial barriers. Um, and I believe at the moment, one third of our courses that we that we teach are, are on a bursary place. So, hmm. We're able to really keep mindfulness very wide and accessible to to lots of types of people who might be needing it. Would Would you say that um, meditation and mindfulness and you know practicing yoga can contend with uh, to today's like modern day medicine? Yeah, that's a really interesting question, um, and there is certainly more of a shift in understanding in holistic health in this connection between our body and our mind and um, looking perhaps beyond medication to other alternatives that can mm. be complementary to our health. And, mm. I, and I certainly wouldn't be advocating for one over the other. Mm. Um, I believe, and you know, clinical studies show that it's, it's more of a, um, yeah, and a holistic approach that, that you can find different complementary approaches that can suit and can help you and can potentially be complementary alongside medication as well. Hmm. Um, yeah, just knowing that from my own personal experience, the state of your mental health just has such an impact on how you do physically, hmm. um, you know, from the way that you function, your immune system, um, your general well-being and happiness, that also has such a big impact. So. I think taking care of our mental well-being as well as our physical well-being is it's something that people are starting to really 
yeah, place a, a lot of value and importance in. Mm, definitely. And what are some common problems people have experienced that came to you and what are the what is the best advice you can give to our listeners in that regard? So a lot of people who come to our courses may find their way there um, because they're dealing with high stress, burnout, sometimes low-level depression and anxiety. Um, We also see people with various health conditions like sciatica, back pain, fibromyalgia, um, ME, endometriitis, arthritis, many others. Um, And they would typically go on to one of our eight-week courses Um, So we have a Mindfulness for Health course and a Mindfulness for Stress course. Hmm. And these are really recommended as a um, tried and tested length to take a Mindfulness course in to really cement and embed that practice and that habit. Um, So my advice to people would be, well, first of all, to kind of caveat a little bit is that mindfulness is something that takes time and mm. commitment it's it's really not a quick fix that people can um you know pick up an app for example do a few meditations and and learn mindfulness it it takes a whole change in mindset yeah um, which involves yeah your investment in that but that's why it works mm. is really equipping you with tools um, and strategies that you can have to make you feel more confident and resourced when you're dealing with difficulties that might may come your way, whether that's um, stress or, or challenges or work or home life or your physical health that mm. might that may cause difficulties too. So yeah, my advice is that if it's something people are interested in, um, you know, take that step, take that investment in yourself. Yeah. Um, and so alongside the eight-week courses that we offer, which are a really good way to kind of cement that habit of mindfulness, we also offer a free 12-day course that launched recently. Hmm. And it is specifically for people who are dealing with difficulties at the moment related to this primal crisis that we're in with yeah. cost of living crisis and, and everything else that's go- going on. Um, so they can find that on our website. It's called The Toolkit for Tough Times. Hmm. Um, and you can access it, yeah, for free across twelve days. Okay, that's that's amazing. Um, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, for now, good morning. Uh, good, have a good morning and take care and goodbye. Oh, thank you so much thank for you. having me. Thank you so much. Bye bye. So that was that was really interesting, uh, and you know I'll, I'll be checking that course out as well myself. I think it's I think it is <coughs> something which is quite practical, mm. and all of us can actually you know even if it's just for a little bit. Yeah. As I guess uh, all of our guests have actually mm. been saying as well that we, we we sort of need to take that time out, and, um, and you know they they all sounded very like you know very calm isn't calm it calm and collected. <laughs> so maybe there is something <laughs> there, there is something it definitely works <laughs> definitely definitely works as well. So yeah. we're going to be t- continuing this topic as well. Uh, for a little bit more after the news as well. So don't go anywhere. Grab yourself a cup of coffee and we'll be back after after the news.
You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the breakfast show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. We're continuing this topic for a little bit longer as well. Um, before we actually uh, speak a little bit about uh, what Islam says in, in regards to meditation and different things which uh, which are related to that one. Let's speak to our next guest who is on the line with us, Tony O'Shea Poon, who is a psychotherapist, a mindfulness teacher and workplace coach. Peace be upon you. Good morning and welcome to the show, Tony. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for, for being here with us. Now, for the benefit of our listeners, what, what to begin with, what is stress and anxiety? Why does our body go through these uh, sort of uh, these emotions? Okay, um, so I, I was listening to uh, your guest from Breathwork just a, little, a few moments ago, so I try not mm. to duplicate anything that she said. It was lovely to, to listen to that. Mm. But um, the stress response is, is our body's natural defense, really, um, to any demand that's placed on it. So that could be a major demand, like a life-threatening situation, or even something very minor, like someone just calling out our name. Mm. And we have uh, parts of our brain the limbic part of our brain, the amygdala, which is constantly scanning for threats. And if it perceives danger, it fires up this other part of our brain called the hypothalamus. You can think about it as a, a control center in our brain with lots of on and off switches. And it's these switches that trigger the release of hormones and chemicals into our bloodstream. And that's what gives us that physical response that we experience when we have stress, the fight, flight, or freeze response. Mm. Um, Anxiety is anxiety is different. Anxiety is a, a state of mind that's projecting ahead, so kind of rehearsing, if you like, or becoming fearful of the future. And unfortunately, anxiety can trigger that stress response in our body before we actually need it. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's important to say stress is normal. It's a human response, and in fact, we do need it because if we if we didn't experience any stressors we probably wouldn't be stimulated to do anything <laughs> or mm. to take any action. So it, it is necessary. Mm. Um, and, and lastly, just to say, um, you know, in small measures, it, it isn't harmful. You know, we need that in our body. It only becomes hard, harmful when we're experiencing prolonged or excessive amounts of stress, which can, you know, really affect us physically, emotionally, mentally, and, and behavior, behaviorally mm. as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, just talking about, you know, mindfulness as well what is this what is mindfulness and why is this also important in this uh, in this day and age yeah it's a great it's a great question because i think there's there's so many different definitions of mindfulness and probably quite a lot of misunderstanding about it as well so thanks for the opportunity to hopefully clarify it although i wouldn't claim this is the only way of describing it but but um, it's important to say that it's not um you know there's nothing really magical or mystical about mindfulness it's it's an innate ability that every human has um, to be present in this moment. So when we use that term, you know, I was mindful of something, we're mm. using it in exactly the same way as, as we mean when we talk about mindfulness, to be attentive to something. So if we're fully present to something with, without being distracted or taken off balance, then we're being mindful. Um, mm. But, but mind, mindfulness as taught today, and I thought your last guest, to describe this very beautifully, actually. Um, mm. You know, it has many beautiful attributes to it. It's not just a cold, impersonal awareness. Yeah. 
Uh, it's also an awareness that includes wonderful human uh, characteristics of generosity and gratitude and and love and compassion. Yeah. Um, so it's all of those things. Um, and while I, while I described it as a natural state, uh, I would also say that it's something we can cultivate more of through these particular practices of mindfulness. And mm. uh, there's, there's so many benefits to doing that. You you mentioned you know different things that we can actually do to practice mindfulness as well. Um, uh, can you tell, just elaborate a little bit more in regards to that as well, or what we can do daily, yeah. you know, on our day to day exercises and uh, or, you know in our busy lifestyle as well? How can we practice mindfulness? Sure. Um, so I think I think here we could probably distinguish between sort of two broad types of mindfulness. Hmm. Uh, one being mindfulness meditation. And the other being everyday mindfulness. So mindfulness meditation is really any any kind of practice where we're sitting fully present with an object. And what I mean by an object is just something to give our attention to. And that could be our breath, uh, as described by Breathworks, or connecting with our body, or focusing just on sound, or even being aware of our our internal thoughts and feelings. So. If something's happening in the here and now and we keep our attention on it, that's mindfulness meditation. Mm. Um, but but that doesn't have to involve sitting, you know, cross-legged on the floor for 30 minutes. It can be as simple as just waking up every morning and taking two minutes to observe the quality of our breath. So, mm. so And maybe the same when we go to sleep at night. So that, that's um, mindfulness meditation. It's sometimes called formal Mindfulness. I don't particularly like that term myself. Mm-hmm. It sounds too serious. Um, but the other, the other side of it is what we call everyday mindfulness, and that just involves bringing our awareness to things that we're doing anyway. Mm-hmm. So the conversation we're having right now, you know, is, is a mindful conversation where we're speaking and listening carefully. Mm-hmm. Um, but also everyday things like making a cup of tea or washing the dishes or brushing our teeth. So instead of allowing our mind to, you know, be off elsewhere, if we're brushing our teeth. Hmm. Where's our mind? It's usually on our breakfast. <laughs> and when we're having our breakfast, where's our mind? It's usually on the beginning of you know the work we have to do. Yeah. So we have an opportunity through these everyday things to to be present and connect through our senses to the tastes and textures and sounds of what it is we're actually doing. Hmm. Um, and that and that connection with the present moment can give us this wonderful sense of calmness and also develop appreciation and gratitude just for everyday things mm, exactly more, more gratitude makes us happier generally <laughs> yeah definitely definitely and it's coming off uh, from that as well there's some people who who say I'm not sure if it's true or not but some people say that when they when they're eating their dinner they they mm. don't like to watch uh, television because they want to yeah. enjoy the meal more so if they're watching yeah. TV their, their, their mind is not going to be in that meal, is it? <laughs> Absolutely. And in fact, mindful eating is a, very much a practice that, that we do teach. Mm. And, uh, you know, we, we can get so much more joy uh, from eating and really appreciate, you know, all the wonderful tastes and textures and flavors. Generally, it involves slowing down as well so we can appreciate things more. Um, but essentially, mindfulness can be mindfulness of anything. Hmm. So mindfulness of eating, mindfulness of walking, hmm. mindfulness of washing up or brushing your teeth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's simply it's simply being in that moment fully, uh, which of course means that we we can see things more clearly and understand things more clearly. So this is where some of the benefits, the, the wider benefits in society, start to come in. 
um, we get, you know, with these personal benefits, but actually the ability to, um, you know, be fully present with people, to understand people, to communicate well, to manage conflict, all these wonderful society benefits as well. Mm. Good stuff, good stuff. Um, Tony, the, uh, you, you would like to do a, a one-minute mindfulness practice with, with our listeners. Uh, is yeah, that something I'd you love, want to do? I'd love to. I'd yeah. love to if that's possible. Yeah, Absolutely, absolutely. Please. I thought it would be nice just to give, give, give your listeners a flavor of one aspect of mindfulness and just important to remember there's many, many different types of practices. Mm. Um, just one word of caution, if you're, if you're driving or operating heavy equipment or any equipment really, please don't close your eyes for <laughs> this practice. Otherwise, I would suggest you could just allow your eyes to gently close or if you prefer, you can lower and soften your gaze just so you're not distracted and your attention can come inwards for a few moments. I'm going to suggest that for the next minute, there's nothing that you have to do, and there's nowhere that you need to be. Just observe the physical sensation of your breath, wherever that is in your body. You don't have to try and change it in any way. Simply observe your breath. It's always there for you and will help you connect to this moment. At the same time, when I say to do it, I'd like you to start counting your breath. And a full in and out breath is a count of one. The next in and out is two and so on. And just keep observing and counting your breath until I say stop. Um, it's gonna be perfectly normal for your mind to wander. And if that happens, just very kindly and gently lead it back to your breath and your count. And if you lose track of the count, just come back and start again at one. So here we go. Start breathing and counting. Just continue to observe the breath. Not trying to change anything. And aware of the count. The mind goes off to something. Just pull it gently and kindly back to the breath, back to the count, without judgment. Now you can stop counting. Just take a moment to ask yourself what happened in that practice, what was your experience, and how do you feel now in this moment? And we can close that practice. If your eyes were closed, you can open them. It would be nice to take a little stretch, do whatever you need to do to take care of yourself. It's obviously a very brief practice, mm. but the fundamentals of it are core to mindfulness. One, having a, an object of attention. In this case, we had two. We had the breath and the count. And secondly, helping to tame our wandering mind, bringing it back again and again. Wonderful, wonderful. I mean, me and my co-host, both of us, <laughs> we were we were practicing that. <laughs> wonderful. Um, and yeah. in the studio as well, and uh, quite quite. It's, it's quite calming. very very calming. That's great. Yeah. That's great. So it does it does demonstrate hopefully that just one minute hmm. can really make a difference. And we can practice that anywhere. Hmm. We don't have to sit with our eyes closed. We can be on the train or the bus. Preferably not driving the car, that's probably yeah. not the best place to do this. But other than that, even even in fact in conversation, if we need a moment to ourselves, hmm. we can just take fifteen seconds to bring our attention into our breath, just center ourselves and then come back out to our awareness to do whatever we need to do. Mm. Wonderful. No, Wonderful. It, it feels like I've been reset. Like you know, it feels really good. Great. Mm. Good to know that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot.
Tony, one uh, one last question um, mm. that we want to ask you as well. We obviously, you know, to practice this uh, requires, e- even if it's just a moment as well, a brief moment as well, but what are the common hurdles uh, when one tries to maintain a habit of performing mindfulness and how can we sort of um, tackle this? Right. Uh, there, there are quite a few. <laughs> um, but I, you, I definitely won't go through them all. Mm. Um, it, this is something that we, in, in training other mindfulness teachers, we spend quite a bit of time on because mm. the, their participants will all experience some very common hurdles. So maybe I could just pick a couple, and then if you've got time, I can give you another. But um, one is that other things you have to do just seem more important. There's always something else to do, isn't there, on our to-do list that's calling for our attention. So anytime we sit, you know, to do seemingly to do nothing, which is what mindfulness practice is really, um, then those things will be calling for our attention. So we can remind ourselves that actually if we can sit and create that reset, as you described it, uh, we're going to be more better able to fulfill those other duties. We're going to be calmer, we're going to be happier, we're going to have a more peaceful mind. So, in fact, we'll be more productive than we were if we weren't able to do that. So that's something we can tell ourselves. We could also ask ourselves, well, what's the worst that could happen if I don't get everything done on my to-do list today? Mm. And secondly, what's the best that could happen if I did a little bit of mindfulness practice? So maybe some questions that can help us. Um, can I share one more with you? Yeah, please. please. Uh, and, and another one. Another one is uh, interruption by others. Mm. So if you're if you're living with your family or others in your household, then inevitably, if you sit to practice, even if it's just you know a few minutes, someone is going to need something yeah. <laughs> just at that at that <laughs> moment, aren't they? So yeah. it, it's just going to happen. So a wonderful idea is to create a dedicated space for your practice. Uh, for your meditation, but that could equally be used by others, couldn't it, in the family for contemplation or mm. for prayer. Yeah. So any space like that that's quiet and contemplative will, will be helpful. It's a really good idea. It's why so many people practice early in the morning when no one else is up. So, mm. you know, if you can get up early in the morning, that's a great time to practice. You can also tell your, tell your family and your, your friends that you live with, you know, this is my quiet time and if I have this time, I'll, I'll be fully present for you later in the day. So, mm-hmm. um, and then something I've tried, which is I do find quite helpful, is if you get accidentally interrupted, just, just continue your practice as if, as if you haven't been interrupted. Mm. And then usually you'll find that the interruption isn't an emergency and it'll just go away quite quickly. So you Good can just continue. Yeah. Well, Tony, thank you so much for actually you know, sharing your experience and expertise as well uh, with us as well. I'm sure that, I mean, we definitely benefited. I'm sure that the listeners must have benefited from uh, from that as well. Uh, thank you once again and uh, have a lovely day. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you so much for having Absolutely. me on. Take care. Thank you. That was Tony uh, O'Shea, who, uh, O'Shea Poon, who is a psychotherapist, mindfulness teacher uh, and workplace, uh, workplace coach as well. Very interesting uh, listening to him and uh, you know some practical things when it comes to when it comes to mindfulness as well and you know, you know what he was saying it was literally literally just reminding me of the of the islamic prayers as well especially when he said 
you know, there there's a special or dedication, you know, dedicated place for you know to practice mm. mindfulness, mm. to practice meditation as well. Other people can come there and do that. I mean, we have the same thing in Islam as well. We have the same thing in Islam, but that we we have this special place, mm. um, you know, whether it's in our houses, yeah. uh, whether it's in our, you know, even if it's in our workplace or mm. wherever wherever else that we go, we can actually dedicate a place for for our prayer time. Mm. And uh, if you look at the Islamic prayer. Hmm. It is. It is sort a spiritual of, meditation. It, it of is sorts, spiritual meditation. Right? Exactly. Hmm. Exactly. Because we, whether you know, what we actually do is that we cut off from the world at that time. Hmm. We focus on the prayer. We focus on you know the things that we you know the, the you know the communication that we're having with God, and also what he you know, something else which he mentioned was that you know he said he he you know if you get up in the morning early up in the morning when no one else is awake. Hmm. I mean that's the that's the morning prayer though, isn't it? Yeah. Or the or the pre the pre dawn prayer, hmm. the the voluntary prayers, the tahajjud prayers as well. So it's uh, you know very much linked to the Islamic uh, Islamic teachings when it comes to prayer uh, as well. It's, you know prayer is actually one of the five pillars of Islam. So it's one of the core teachings of Islam as well. So whether it's medication, whether it's meditation, hmm. whether it's prayer, um, these things are very much uh, linked. Uh, as well definitely um, his holiness uh, the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community the fifth caliph of the promised messiah Hazrat Mirza Masrur Ahmad may Allah be his helper once during a, a a virtual meeting with the women auxiliary organization of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Italy he said that we should inculcate the belief within Ahmadi Muslims that just as the human body cannot survive without oxygen our spiritual body needs nourishment through prayer as well so these things are very very much important uh for us um you know uh, all, all the time hmm. and uh you know there is this very famous i mean all the all, all the verses in the holy quran are very famous but there's one in particular which speaks about this which sort of concludes what we're talking about today allah the almighty mentions in chapter 13 verse 29 those who believe and whose hearts find comfort in the remembrance of Allah. A. It is in the remembrance of Allah that hearts find comfort. Hmm. And this is very, very practical. This is something which the basis of the Islamic, um, the Islamic prayer is actually built upon this foundation as well. Yeah. When we, you know, when we're living in our day, you know, our very busy schedules, when we're living in a, in our lives, and we've got so much going on, we we constantly getting bombarded from different things, left, right, center. It's difficult to actually find that time to to actually think about the the important things as well. Hmm. And the one of the most important things that we as Muslims um, do is remember is remember God, is remember Allah, our Creator. And worship him, listen to his instructions, fulfill the rights of God, as well as fulfilling the rights of mankind. And uh, this can also, as you know, as the segment is also suggesting, that medication, uh, sorry, meditation, can actually be an alternative for uh, for medication as well. And when we talk about uh, meditation, we talk about all the things which are linked to that one as well, such as prayer. Uh, as well, so this is something which uh, which is quite practical. Something which we as Muslims practice as well on a day to day basis, five times a day, hmm. and uh, uh, we, you know we're very very much pr- uh, for this uh, for this as well. Definitely. 
We'll be taking a very short break and then we'll be swiftly moving on to our next segment. Hazrat Mughira bin Shubah radiyallahu ta'ala anhu narrates, When the Holy Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam finished the prayer and pronounced salutation, he would recite, There is no God but Allah. He is alone, who has no partner. To him belongs the sovereignty and to him praise is due, and he is potent over everything. O Allah, no one can withhold what thou givest. All give what thou withhold, and the riches cannot avail a wealthy person with thee. You're listening to Voice of Islam, online, on mobile, and on DAB. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the breakfast show here on the Voice of Islam radio. Very interesting topic that we were speaking about uh, just uh, just now. Um, something which is linked to that as well is that the World, World Health Organization has released more information for the global vaccine market as well. Um, they, you know, they they call uh, they call on governments, manufacturers, and partners to take uh, ambitious action to guarantee equitable access to vaccines and improve responses to future pandemics. As well, so I mean, the, the, you know, the, the it is quite uh, quite interesting as well. It is quite promising. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, hopefully, it's something which is uh, quite practical and uh, actually happens as well. We do have online with us our guest of the morning for this segment, Miss Tanya Sanushi, who um, you know leads um, at the World Health Organization, works on immunization agenda, uh, policy, strategy, markets, and financing. She she leads that department. And she has 20-year experience working on political economy of health, focusing on access to health technologies and designing and managing related programs. Good morning, peace be upon you, and welcome to The Breakfast Show. Good morning. Uh, It's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, Just to begin with, could you briefly explain what has been concluded from the report released on the global vaccine market? Yes, with pleasure. And first of all, thanks for having me and for your interest in the global vaccine market reports. Um, I'll maybe start by reminding uh, the audience here that vaccines save millions of lives every year. Yeah. We tend to take that for granted, but the COVID-19 pandemic reminded us of mm. the health, but also socioeconomic impact of one single vaccine missing to protect us. Um, so this is why the vaccine market report is so important to us. Uh, we are trying to really understand through the report how we ensure timely supplies of vaccines to everyone. Um, So you're asking what the report concluded. There's probably three key conclusions uh, that I would highlight. One is that despite unprecedented increase in vaccine production with COVID um, and more generally a large and expanding uh, manufacturing base, the supply is actually really concentrated. If you take a, a, a single vaccine, we're still very much dependent on two, three manufacturers. Um, so we're dealing with, really with oligopolies, and, and this is um, uh, known to under-deliver relative to need. Also important to this is uh, consequences in terms of supply security issues. Um, some regions of the world are almost entirely dependent on manufacturing uh, that takes place outside um, their regions, such as the African and the Eastern Mediterranean region. Uh, and we've seen with COVID, again, uh, what that implies uh, for supply security. We know that in 2021, and the report shows this again, only a small percentage uh, was given to this region of the COVID-19 vaccines. The second point that we make in the report is that um, access to COVID-19 vaccines has been highly unequal, and, and this has been 
you know, portrayed very much in the news and the public discourse uh, during the pandemic. But actually, this is the case for many other vaccines. Uh, one example that is shown in the report is the uh, vaccines against human papilloma virus. Uh, the report shows that only 40% of lower-income countries have introduced these vaccines versus 80% of higher-income countries. And also we see in the report there's quite some interesting uh, data and, and analysis showing uh, that, for instance, access to adult vaccines, which are so important to reach the immunization agenda, 2030 goals of saving 15 million people uh, from uh, vaccine-preventable diseases. Uh, adult vaccines are um, distributed to only 10% uh, of uh, low-income countries, uh, which is uh, 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 very, very minimal relative to the uh, to the uh, contribution of these vaccines to uh, vaccine-preventable disease in higher-income settings. Uh, another uh, important point, the third that Aouda led from the report to answer your question, is that uh, we acknowledge that to ensure alignment of vaccine development, production, but also distribution with a public health agenda, we really need greater public investment and more government oversight across the value chain. The reason is that there's a high return on investment for immunization, as I said. Um, uh, some statistics show a return of investment of $40 for every dollar spent. The IMF, as you know, has estimated trillions of dollars losses uh, from uh, the COVID-19 pandemic that could have mm. been higher without uh, the vaccines, 20 million lives saved, and so forth uh, for the COVID-19 vaccines. But also, access to life-saving vaccine is a fundamental human right. Um, this is a key point that the report is trying to make. We need to be, uh, to be granting access to vaccine to everyone, independent of where people are born and whether they can pay or not. And, mm. and clearly leaving this in uh, the uh, hands of uh, commercial uh, dynamics uh, will not lead uh, to these outcomes. We will have suboptimal investments from the start even for vaccines that have a dual market, such as the pneumococcal vaccine or uh, the HPV vaccine I mentioned before, and even more so for vaccines that are uh, less uh, of commercial interest and are prone to outbreaks, like measles uh, or cholera. Hmm. And finally, um, this has been discussed a lot, and the report brings this back. Um, you know, the, the, a lot of the innovation in the vaccine arena originates from public sources, and frankly, the primacy granted to private sector investors over such innovation is quite paradoxical. Hmm. Um, so these are really the points that the report is, is trying to put forward. Um, again, as several discussed in the in the uh, past months of the COVID-19 pandemic, but uh, very much applicable to uh, to other antigens as well. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I know you're short of time. Uh, could we ask you another question? Sure. Um, so, what action is who going to take in regards to this? Well, by publishing the report, uh, WHO wanted to fundamentally pass on uh, the key message here that we have an opportunity to establish a new paradigm for vaccine development and access, building on new practices and some lessons learned during the COVID-19 pandemic. So the report is looking at data uh, provided by over 100 member states covering 100 products, uh, what, the, what the countries are purchasing, in which volumes, at which price. Uh, but again, also pointing out what was different with COVID-19. And what mm. we've seen is that with technological innovation, clear government leadership and investment, and enhanced collaboration among parties, 
vaccines can be developed and scaled up fast for incredible health and socioeconomic return. So what we're saying is we need more of this in the years to come. What we will do is continue to invest along the value chain from guiding research and development efforts. We will continue our regulatory support to countries. We will continue to provide global policy and programmatic recommendations informing country demands for vaccines. Um, and support the development of regional vaccine manufacturing capacity. And um, importantly, we will continue to invest in data collection for more transparency of the vaccine market, which continue to be an issue despite uh, progress. And then the report, of course, is calling uh, for actions also from governments and manufacturers. Hmm. And, uh, you know, how will uh, any changes made be implemented by governments and manufacturers? So the report is calling uh, and it for specific actions from those two parties. Uh, for governments, what we're hoping for is for clear immunization plans and more aggressive investments mm. uh, and stronger uh, oversight of vaccines development, production and distribution. We believe there's um, really a great benefit that can come from regional research and manufacturing hubs. So that's, again, uh, something that will implicate very much political will and investment from government. And then pre-agreeing rules of government collaboration in terms of scarcity, which is something that, you know, very well did not work out uh, Mm. uh, at the time of COVID. Mm. For manufacturers, what we need is focusing research efforts on WHO priority pathogens, uh, ensuring transparency, and facilitating technology transfer and commit to specific equity-driven allocation measures. Now, so for the audience to understand, there are various ongoing conversations with member states, industry counterparts and partners, uh, both along the lines of governance, but also systems and financing needs for pandemic preparedness and access to countermeasures. Um, But also, we are having several opportunities to discuss how the vaccine ecosystem can be changed for routine immunization, which has different features to ensure uh, we have a much better balance between commercial interest and public health needs. Hmm. Thank you so much for you know taking time out from your precious time and joining us this morning. It was an absolute pleasure and thank you for shedding light upon this. Uh, for now, have a good morning and take care. My pleasure. Thanks thank for you so me. much. Bye bye. Bye bye. So that was, uh, you know, Tanya Sanushi, who um, heads a unit um, of immunization agenda policy and strategy at WHO. Mm. And, you know, she shared some really interesting information yes. for, um, you know, the benefits of whoever was listening. Mm. Um, yeah, so, you know, this the great work is happening. This uh, study that was, uh, you know, brought forth in regards to the vaccine and it's, it uh, is promising yeah it is it promising. Definitely, definitely and hopefully hopefully as, as she mentioned as well that vaccines they they help millions of us mm. and sometimes we do sort of uh, take, it for, take it for granted yeah. and we don't mm. realize how much how much of an effect it actually has mm. on us as well but uh, because of COVID-19 it has sort of put us uh, into that perspective as well that yes it does it does actually make a change there are a lot of people who are um uh, hopefully, I, know, I hope we had a little bit more time to speak to her, but I know she was busy as well. I wanted to ask her about, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people who think that vaccines are, you know... Yeah, they cause... Um, you know what I mean, doesn't it? Autism? They have, they have, yeah, yeah, they cause they could, autism, mm. they cause different things as well. Mm. And, uh, you know, if you just have, you know, natural products, mm. that's uh, sometimes better. But, you know, it's, it, it is an interesting topic mm. and a lot of people have a lot of uh, mixed feelings about this as well. Um, uh, so d- we're going to be talking We're going to be discussing this. that after a very short break So dear yeah. listeners, don't go anywhere And do join us after a very short break
You're listening to Voice of Islam, online, on mobile, and on DAB. The life of Muhammad, peace be upon him. The last pilgrimage. Nine years after the Prophet migrated from Mecca to Medina, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, went on a pilgrimage to Mecca. On the day of the pilgrimage, he received the revelation containing the famed verse of the Quran, which says, This day have I perfected your religion for you, and completed my favour upon you, and have chosen for you Islam as religion. Chapter 5, verse 4. This verse said in effect that the message which the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had brought from God, and which by word and deed he had been expounding all these years, had been completed. Every part of this message was a blessing. The message now completed embodied the highest blessings which man could receive from God. The message is epitomized in the name Al-Islam, which means submission. Submission was to be the religion of Muslims, the religion of mankind. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, recited this verse in the Valley of Muzdalifah, where the pilgrims had assembled. Returning from Muzdalifah, the Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stopped at Mina. It was the eleventh day of the month of Zulhijjah. The Prophet stood before a large gathering of Muslims and delivered an address, famed in history as the farewell address of the Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. In the course of this address he said, O men, lend me an attentive ear, for I know not whether I will stand before you again in this valley, and address you as I address you now. Your lives and your possessions have been made immune by God to attacks by one another until the day of judgment. God has appointed for every one a share in the inheritance. No will shall now be admitted which is prejudicial to the interests of a rightful heir. A child born in any house will be regarded as a child of the father in that house. Whoever contests the parentage of this child will be liable to punishment under the law of Islam. Anyone who attributes his birth to someone else's father or falsely claims someone to be his master, God his angels and the whole of mankind will curse him. O men, you have some rights against your wives, but your wives also have some rights against you. Your right against them is that they should live chaste lives and not adopt ways which may bring disgrace to the husband in the sight of his people. If your wives do not live up to this, then you have the right to punish them. You can punish them after due inquiry has been made by a competent authority and your right to punish has been established. Even so, punishment in such a case must not be very severe, but if your wives do no such thing, and their behavior is not such as would bring disgrace to their husbands, then your duty is to provide for them food and garments and shelter, according to your own standard of living. Remember, you must always treat your wives well. God has charged you with the duty of looking after them. Woman is weak and cannot protect her own rights. When you married, God appointed you the trustees of those rights. You brought your wives to your homes under the law of God. You must not, therefore, insult the trust which God has placed in your hands. O men, you still have in your possession some prisoners of war. I advise you, therefore, to feed them and to clothe them in the same way and style as you feed and clothe yourselves. If they do anything wrong which you are unable to forgive, then pass them on to someone else. They are part of God's creation. To give them pain or trouble can never be right. O men, what I say to you, 
you must hear and remember. All Muslims are as brethren to one another. All of you are equal. All men, all men, whatever nation or tribe they may belong to, and whatever station in life they may hold, are equal. While he was saying this, the Prophet, peace be upon him, raised his hands and joined the fingers of the one hand with the fingers of the other, and then said, Even as the fingers of the two hands are equal, so are human beings equal to one another. No one has any right, any superiority, to claim over another. You are as brothers. Proceeding, the Prophet, peace be upon him, said, Do you know what month this is? What territory we are in? What day of the year it is today? The Muslims said in reply, they knew it was a sacred month, the sacred land, and the day of the Hajj. Then the Prophet, peace be upon him, said, Even as this month is sacred, this land inviolate, and this day holy, so has God made the lives, property, and honor of every man sacred. To take any man's life, or his property, or attack his honor, is as unjust and wrong as to violate the sacredness of this day, this month, and this territory. What I command you today is not meant only for today, it is meant for all time. You are expected to remember it and to act upon it until you leave this world and go to the next to meet your Maker. In conclusion, he said, What I have said to you, you should communicate to the ends of the earth. Maybe those who have not heard me may benefit by it more than those who have heard. Siha Sitta, Tabari, Hisham, and Khamis. حسنا فادعوه بها يا يا العزيز الله has decreed most surely I will prevail I and my messengers Verily, Allah is powerful, mighty. The Arabic expression Al-Aziz means the mighty, one who is dominant but cannot be dominated, one who is powerful and superior over all else. Al-Aziz is that striking being who alone has the power to bestow prophethood upon man and to guide mankind towards righteousness. It is this eminent attribute of Allah that has allowed great prophets of the past to succeed in their respective missions. The chief of all prophets, the holy prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was undoubtedly the most cherished recipient of God's limitless favors. At the dawn of the victory of Mecca, the Muslims marched wholeheartedly. After being betrayed by their treaty-bound brothers, this was a day where the inhabitants of Mecca witnessed God's might. The reign of cruelty, which had caused the followers of Islam unimaginable agony, was brought to an abrupt end. The peaceful conquest of Mecca was made possible 
only through God and His might. Allah's might is widely experienced by all prophets of this world. The promised Messiah on whom be peace came at a time when people had become void of morality and were ruled by Mulvis and extremists who no one dared to oppose. The promised Messiah on whom be peace expressed that at the time of his claim, not many believed in him. In fact, he faced an onslaught of ignorance, hatred, and ridicule. The promised Messiah on whom be peace faced numerous fatwas and false court cases were made against him. In these moments, it seemed almost impossible that the promised Messiah on whom be peace and his godly mission would prevail. But it was the might, Al-Aziz, that silenced the jesters, created love where there had been hatred, and brought justice in times of unfairness. Al-Aziz stood like a mountain safeguarding the promised Messiah on whom be peace from all forms of harm. This was the might of the powerful God that enabled his devout servant to reign over his opponents and to once again radiate the ever-bright light of Islam upon the darkened world. Al-Aziz is the great altruistic God whose power is dominant over all others. His might is a magnificent sign of the truth of his prophets and their prevalence is evidence of his existence. This world would not be as it is without the mighty creator. It has been written and proven time and time again that he will prevail. How then can one deny his flourishing superiority? Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Um, welcome back to the breakfast show. Now, it's, it is interesting how, you know, the, the rollout of the vaccines and how there are new vaccines which are coming into place as well and how the World Health Organization is uh, is actually, you know, urging governments, manufacturers and different partners as well to actually come together and uh, make uh, more make these vaccines as well as making these vaccines more um, more applicable, more accessible, more yeah, more accessible, and uh, you know different things which are related uh, to this one as well. Um, we've got uh, we've got a, a an audio clip that we would like to share and play uh, for for you guys as well. Let's have a quick listen to that one. The thing is that there's a hadith of the Holy Prophet that whatever you like for yourself, you like for others, right? So because I did it, I asked the other people that it is more beneficial for you to have vaccine than not to have, right? This is why I asked. In my view, if you don't take vaccine, you are not only exposing yourself to this disease, but 
also the source of spreading the disease to the others. So this is why, for the sake of others, we should get ourselves vaccinated with this COVID vaccine. And as far as my knowledge is concerned, I discussed it with so many scientists and doctors. Most of them, they say and they prove it, that the results are quite promising. We cannot say that uh, 100% of the people will be cured and will be saved from the disease. No. But quite a good percentage of them has better results even if they had this disease. It was not fatal. So this is why, in my view, it is better that AMDs uh, should take this vaccine. But even I cannot force you. I did not say that all office bearers who have not taken a vaccine should be removed from the, their offices. It was my passing remark that they should not remain in the office. So that means they themselves should be careful that how important I consider this vaccine, right? Otherwise, I do not say you don't have the wisdom. You might be quite wise person. You are a religious person. You know about religion. In that regard, you are not ignorant. But with regards to this vaccine or the remedy of this uh, disease, you are ignorant. I do not say you are ignorant in every respect. No, I did not mean that. These were the words of His Holiness, the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, uh, the fifth uh, caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community as well, um, Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmad, may Allah be his helper. Now, talking about the talking about the vaccine and the rollout of the vaccine and how members of the community should actually take the vaccine and benefit from that one as well, quoting the hadith, the saying of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that like for others what you like for yourself and want for others what you want for yourself. You would want yourself to have sound sound health. You would want yourself to be fit and healthy and have uh, you know, a, a, a fit and healthy well-being. You would, if you if you want that, and definitely everybody would want mm. that. Why don't you want other people to be uh, fit and healthy definitely. and be you know have uh, have uh, sound health as well? So these, this is uh, talk, I mean talking about the vaccine. Mm. This is very very important. It's not something that we can just brush under the carpet. Not something that we can just say, you know, well, forget it. I don't know anything about it. Let me just um, you know leave this vaccine and then. I'll, I'll be fine without it. Hmm. Now, if the, if the you know if the governments, if the if the if the scientists, the doctors, if they've come together and they've made something which is beneficial for mankind, hmm. then uh, why not? You know, w- w- why not partake in that? Hmm. I mean, instead of you know getting the virus, hmm. getting ill, and then having to you know get injected with the vi- with the with the vaccine, that might be you know it's it's so much better to be proactive than reactive as well. Yeah. Um, if so, if you can prevent something from the beginning, or fight something from the beginning, nip something in the bud, hmm. um, then that's much better than being reactive as well. Hmm. Um, so that's you know that's some uh, food uh, some food for thought uh, for our listeners as well. Definitely. And in regards to Islam, uh, the head of the MDA Muslim community, uh, the the founder of the MDA Muslim community, mm. Hazrat Mirza Ghulam, may peace be upon him, wrote in his uh, book Noah's Ark that uh, whilst this book is not talking about the pandemic, 
Hmm. It highlights the importance of um, so so um, he writes after after this he writes that uh, it highlights the importance of taking vaccines only if they have been researched well and that there is a cure for every disease. Right. So the promised Messiah he writes the promises of the um, uh, omnipotent God are indeed true. Yeah. The aim of the government is to protect the people from the plague by any means, in order to be safeguarded from the plague. If the government, if the government were to discover a remedy more effective than the vaccine, it would happily adopt it. The government has itself found, after investigation, that those who make use of the plague vaccine have a lower fatality rate than those who do not. Mm. He who has raised the plague, and has the power to eradicate it. Yeah. You know, these were the words of of His Holiness, the 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 founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the Promised Messiah, upon whom be peace. But you know, specifically talking about mm. the the plague, which was yeah. at that time, uh, that you know that was uh, particular. That was a proper sign, you know, from from God Almighty that this is mm. a sign, and those people who are your followers, they will be protected from this plague as well. They do not ne- need yeah. to take the vaccine. Yeah. But he didn't say the Promised Messiah, upon whom be peace. He he. He didn't say that uh, you know. Mm, don't to, don't take yeah, the vaccine. Don't take right? the vaccine. Yeah. And this definitely doesn't apply to the coronavirus or any other pandemic mm. or any other virus because that was just a specific sign yeah. of the Prophet at that time, yeah. which was foretold before centuries before. But uh, you know, people, some people may you know um, say that raises yeah, of objection, isn't it? Yeah, that it, it applies um, now as well, but it it, it doesn't. Mm. And that should be mm. that should be well. Uh, well understood as well. You know, there's different types of um, remedies, mm. m- medications that we can take as well. There's, of course, everyone knows about the allopathic medis- um, medications, but there's something called homeopathic medicines as well. And that's something because it's a sort of a like for like sort of remedy. Um, it, it works similar. I'm not. I'm not. You know. I'm not a professor. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. Mm. But what I've what I've heard and what I've you know, you know, you know, heard about this from uh, from research is that um, the way that homeopathic medicines work is that it gives you a little bit of that of that sort of uh, that. I mean, it's obviously, it's not a mm. virus, but it gives you a little bit of that um, that illness. And then that your body is sort of stimulates your body to actually make antibodies to fight against that particular disease or that illness as well. So just like vaccines, vaccines, you know, they, you know, you inject a little bit of the virus inside your bodies hmm. so, uh, so that, you know, it can make white blood cells, it can make these antibodies and fight off the different bacteria, the different viruses as well. Hmm. So that, you know, if an attack does occur in the future, it already has those antibodies ready to to actually you know fight off that disease. So homeopathic medicines sort of work in the same way. They're they're sort of like for like remedy as well. And uh, I, I know because uh, you know His Holiness the the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community and also the fifth caliph, the current head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, um, may Allah be pleased with them and may Allah be his helper. They are very much advocates for this type of uh, this type of medication as well, mm. um, because one of the reasons for that is also because the side effects are very very less, and uh, unlike you know we see allopathic medicines, there are you know if you take a lot of allopathic medicines, mm. um, especially you know old age people, yeah. they tend to have side effects and it can be quite difficult for them mm. as well in, in, in the long run. But if you take 
uh, homeopathic medicines that can actually be very beneficial and uh, it it has a minimum amount of uh, side effects as well. Yeah. So that's also very, very promising as well. But also with these vaccines coming in, um, it, you know, it's important that we don't, as, as, as we're just sort of saying, we promote that as well. And we like that. We want that to be rolled out. Uh, especially in the in the rural areas, especially in the less developed countries as well. Mm. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, thank you so much uh, to our guests and, of course, our researchers and producers: Hania, Nawera Khan, Maria Sheikh, Murusha Ahmed, Safia Nasser, Sahar Tahir. Until next time, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.